We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 321. I can already tell this is going to be one of my favorite episodes because I just came back from the most unbelievable trip to Morocco, and it was a horse trip, which I've never taken a horse vacation before. I've never even been on a horse excursion because I feel like for equestrians, it's really hard to do that, right? I feel like there's always that, um, you know, fear that the horse isn't being well taken care of, that it's underfed, that it's not sound, um, this, that, and the other thing. So I was hesitant when I decided to go on a trip with Unicorn Trails, but it was the most unbelievable, unforgettable experience um, that I've had in a really long time, and so much so that I am already planning to go on several more trips, one of which I want to plan to have some of you guys come with me as a little, you know, horse girl trip. And um, from everything that I've heard from other people expressing interest um, when I was posting stuff while I was in Morocco, everyone wants to go on a safari, which I could not be more down. So more to come on that later. But today I am talking to the owner of Unicorn Trails, which is an equestrian tourism company that has been around for over 20 years. And our guest has so much experience in vet health. Um, she has so much experience in travel. She's been on over 95% of the 300 plus trips that Unicorn Trails offers. So it's just an incredible company that I back 100% and cannot wait to go on some future trips. So without further ado, please welcome our lovely guest today, Wendy Hofstie. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Bethany. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Yeah, excited. I feel like I know you personally at this point, even though we've never <laughs> met. <laughs> but um, just coming back from my unicorn trails trip to Morocco, and I feel like with how much I communicated with your team and you and just like sharing passion for horses and travel, um, I feel like we're, we're good friends already. Oh, so I'm so fantastic. excited to have you on. <laughs> Great. Tell me a little bit about how you first got started in the horse world. <laughs> um, well, as a child, I think I was about age 10 or 11 when I first started riding and it was just instant love as it is for most girls mm -hmm. with horses. I think it started with my mother sort of saying to my brother and I, well, you need to do more outdoor sports. So we're signing you up for this, this and this. And then horse riding just stuck with me wow. and they were my parents were like oh you know when you become teenager then it'll be all boys 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 and you'll forget about the horses but that just never happened the horses <laughs> just stayed yep I love that I love that I think a lot of parents kind of have that hope <laughs> I know and then it's like no <laughs> That's, oh, that's right. So I think they were a bit like boys would have been, you know, cost less money over time. But right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your travel background, because um, obviously you have a passion for travel. Um, tell me a little bit about that and then how you ended up combining your two loves to create unicorn trails. 
Well, I've always loved traveling. The thing is, um, I was born in Holland. And then when I was about five, my parents immigrated to South Africa. So um, we would always travel back home to visit family and friends. And so, and because they were in this beautiful country, they wanted to see every bit of it. So every time we had some time off, you know, we'd pack up the caravan or go on a, a vacation somewhere um, in the country. And so I just grew up traveling a lot and I, I became kind of addicted to it. Mm. Then I uh, wanted to go traveling when I'd finished studying. I studied um, veterinary science and then I decided I really wanted to go traveling. And I came to the UK and I could earn, you know, good money there just doing locum jobs. And it was a brilliant base for traveling the whole world. And then on one of those trips, I went with two friends from New Zealand, also veterinarians who I've met in, in, in England. And we went to Ecuador and we bought horses. And we, we did a riding trip all the way from the highlands, the volcanic highlands, down into the Amazon basin and back up again over six months. And, you know, that was just total addiction, being able to travel on horseback and, you know, arrive in a village or something and people would be really excited to see our horses and yeah. look how old they were and what condition they were in. And we just had such a great time meeting people who were also interested in horses. So, yeah, that's, that's how, how, where it all started, really. Wow, that's so cool. Well, I had such an unforgettable, amazing time on my unicorn trails trip. Um, for I guess for someone who is listening that is interested in taking a horse-related travel, I know for me, that was my first time doing so. Even like I, I've never even like ridden a horse on the beach in Mexico. So like I have never done that. I'm the kind of person that when I see like a horse-drawn carriage in a town, like I tear up and make sure that the horse has enough water and like give, try to feed them mints from a from a nearby restaurant. Like that's just <laughs> the type of person I am. But so that was that was probably my biggest reservation going into a horse-based vacation is oh, that. I'm just going to say that's exactly why I started Unicorn Trails yeah. because I could see that there were a lot of horses. You know, that's one of my passions is, is the condition of horses used in tourism. Right. And then I became to, to see how with just a little bit of knowledge and attention, you could actually use as a tourist your money for to be a force for good by rewarding people who kept, you know, well-conditioned, good mm -hmm. horses and had good practices and, you know, removing money from people who don't. There's such a lot of ignorance where, you know, overweight people get in carriages, and but they just right. don't know. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was one of my passions to try and start this, this riding holidays is, yeah. is improve the condition of, of horses that are used in tourism. Definitely. Yeah. And I felt um, there were several occasions. I know we've talked about um, one in the past, but um, on the trip specifically where I felt that um, the care of the horses was definitely priority. I asked, um, we were with a guide the whole time um, on our trip to Morocco um, and his name was Abdel. He was amazing. He had a, a very long background in horse racing and he was a very great horseman, had a ton of knowledge. Um, and so it was really cool asking him questions and being a trainer myself, we were talking about, you know, how he kind of essentially trains a lot of his beginner um, riders that come on on trips with him um, about riding and things like that. So I actually had him basically train my husband, Ethan. I was like, you, why don't you do it, Abdel? So he was, you know, <laughs> teaching him how to pick up because he literally came in, Ethan came into the trip 
only taking a walking lesson. So like <laughs> absolute beginner and um, was just comfortable enough to, you know, get on and walk around and steer and stuff. And um, so Abdel like taught him how to, you know, maybe 30 minutes in our first ride um, was like, okay, we're going to try it. And he helped Ethan and, you know, completely uh, went through that whole process with him. And it was really great. And um, very, like, I was shocked about how similar um, his teachings, you know, uh, you know, fundamentals and mine were. So that was like really cool to see. And then by the end of the trip, he was cantering, which is just so oh, crazy wow. to me. <laughs> I'm like, I, I take months with my clients before they canter. And Abdel's like, you know, day two, Ethan's cantering. So that was, that was so fun to see. But, you know, if you think about it, millions of people strap little sticks on their feet and throw themselves down a snowy mountain without mm -hmm. a second thought. That's true. Why not get on a horse? Yeah, I know. It's so true. And I never felt, I never felt like scared or anything like that. I'm, you know, thought I was going to be like super protective of like keeping Ethan safe, but I never felt like, oh, this is like too much for him or whatever. I think <laughs> he, he was like the perfect balance. It was, he, Abdel put him on a really like safe, steady Eddie horse. He was like the most calm horse in the barn. And I was like, Ooh, I want something like really fun, like really spirited, like something different <laughs> than what I ride at home. So he put me on this, like Arabian Berber stallion with like so much spunk and it was oh it was a blast so I, I also loved how he like paired us with our mounts for the week well that's hugely important because it's like having a partner mm -hmm. it's sort of a, a love affair and you know if you've got the right partner it's just your weakest set for yeah. it to be brilliant but you know get the wrong one and you need to change quickly so we need to have people who are used to doing this and they know their horses really really well and they can size up different riders and figure out what they need and want which is not always the same thing yeah yeah absolutely something else that i really love about unicorn trails is i feel like there's such a variety based on what you're looking for and um for us and i, I think I, I know you chose this trip or helped <laughs> us kind of pick it kind of based on what i had asked for and that was you know like a lot of riding beautiful scenery but also like a little bit of like a luxury vibe as far as like where we were staying and we stayed at at such a beautiful like kind of resort that was like around all of these like mountains and there was like a, a beautiful pool um our room had like three bedrooms and two baths like it was like a whole little like villa it was so pretty um and so i for me um i really liked that one because there was also these like um these like eco lodges with um like basically like glamping uh, as an option too, which was really cool for us specifically. I mean, we had a lot of electronics to plug in. We love our air conditioning, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. So it was really cool that, that you could kind of like choose um, the kind of like feel that you want, you know, us riding all day, wanted to kind of like come back and relax and have a little bit of vacation feel too. And so I really liked how, you know, I had basically mentioned that to you while we were talking originally planning the trip. And so I feel like you, you picked really well for us because it was like exactly oh, what we were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's our job here at Unicorn Trails. You know, that's what we do. We try and match up people and um, try and figure out what their expectations are and match them. Because like you say, we've got 
330 odd trips and so the trick is to know all the trips and be able to match people up to something that gives them what they want what they expect and and we we've been doing this for over 20 years so I think we've become quite good at it over time really yeah how do you um tell me a little bit about the process of how you add a trip to your unicorn trails roster so we approach people or people approach us and a lot of the time, because uh, we, we've got thousands of clients who ride all over the world and, you know, a lot of them are keeping an eye out for us and say, oh, I wrote, found this really place, it's really good, you should contact them. Mm. And so then we start off by contacting them and doing like a bit of due diligence of like how many horses have you got and what right. do you do and just see if there's something suitable that we could sell. And then we always do an inspection that's <clears throat> got to be, you know, by, by one of us or I've got another couple of companies that I work with where um, they also do riding holidays in, say, Germany and so on. And we inspect, visit the place um, because we've got to see what condition are the horses in. Do you know? We have to be able to trust the uh, guides and the owners to, to with our clients and their safety, but also that they're going to be consistent long term. And, you know, they're going to be good partners going forwards and so on. So it really does take a personal touch. It's not something, it's not an internet listing. I don't think you could do something as complex as a horse holiday. It's just an internet listing. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So, and then, you know, we we all, I always ride, I've been to sort of 95% of all the places we've been to. And we always ride because, you know, what one person's definition is of an easy horse or a fun horse is completely different for another one. So we need to be able to relativize it so we can, you know, describe it properly Mm -hmm. and match people up. Um, and because, you know, a lot of people are nervous. A lot of people are used to riding their own horse in their own barn and, you know, their, their, their own uh, saddle and, and everything. And when you go somewhere different, you're, it's a little bit worrying the first few days. Right. You know, you might have different saddles or they might have different ways of doing things and you just don't know the horse. So it's important to make sure people are really comfortable. And by the end of a few days, like you've noticed, you know, you're just really confident and it just mm-hmm. does so much for people's confidence to be able to do that, to go somewhere and ride a different horse in a different area and come back and say, wow, I had a great time. It's so true. If you've been following me on my equestrian style, you know that Batori leggings are my favorite riding leggings on the market. I've been wearing Batori for years now. They also have incredible tops and belts and other accessories, but their riding leggings are unlike anything else on the market. The compression is perfect. I love how high-waisted they are. It's like just the right amount and it hits at the perfect point on your waist. And I love the knee patches. They're suede. You can get them in so many different styles. Like I love, I have a million black on black pair because I love wearing them to the gym and then going to the barn to ride and then running errands and working from home and then heading back to the barn to train and then running and grabbing a bite to eat with my husband. It's like so perfect because they're so great for so many different areas of your life which it should be. I mean, riding clothes are an investment, so the more you can use them for multiple reasons, the better. So head over to their website, batori.life, that's B-O-T-O-R-I dot life, to see all of their styles. It's truly designed for the modern equestrian. You will not be sorry in this investment. 
I think that you bring up a good point is that there are so many different ways that our horses you know, live and thrive and work around the world. And so I think that's also something to, when you are taking a trip in another part of the world um, with horses, I think that that's also a good kind of mindset to have going into it, just being very open-minded, obviously always making sure that the, the horse's like health and wellness is at the forefront, but, you know, things like mm-hmm. um, a saddle or, you know, certain maybe like turnout or farrier, like things are going to be different, just being in a different culture. So having that open-mindedness, um, where I think it was really cool, um, in, in Morocco, there were, you know, just obviously like the stabling looks different, the turnout looks different, but then there were obviously some things that were very similar, like, um, the horses wore, all four shoes and they had a regular farrier because of the type of terrain that we went through. It was obviously so important that they wore shoes. Mm -hmm. So I loved that. I, you know, I was, you know, the, the horse trainer in me was like, okay, I want to like check their legs, check, check their soundness (laughs) and like everything like that. And, and all the horses looked really good. And they they were just like so hardy and healthy and brave <laughs> because, you know, yeah. being in an American, you know, hunter jumper barn where, you know, my horses will, will spook at a rustling bush. Like these horses, <laughs> literally we were going through like knee deep streams. We were going, you know, scaling cliffs, like billy goats. Like it was so unbelievable. And they like, didn't even bat an eye at things. So no. it was like, it was so cool. And just like, it gave me a new appreciation for, for these horses. Um, one story I will share that I really appreciated about the, the stable in Marrakesh is that the, um, the horse that I was riding on the first day, um, it, the first day it was like a five hour trip. So long day, it was really incredible. Um, the second day was a shorter trip. So we were headed to the stables, um, after, um, we had eaten breakfast at the hotel and where, um, it was really cool because the stable was just a short walk. It was like on the same really large property, um, that we were staying outside of Marrakesh. And so mm-hmm. walking to the stable and, um, the, uh, the guys who are working at the farm, were talking to our guide Abdel and saying like, oh, the horse that, you know, I rode the day before was a little like slower to eating its breakfast this morning. And so they made the decision that they're, they're just going to give him the day off and let him turn out and, and chill. And so I really appreciated that because I feel like they could have easily just been like, okay, you're going to go ride again for a couple hours. Like it's all good. And instead they, um, had me like pick out another horse to ride for, for that second day. But I just really appreciated that. And then obviously like by the time I came back that the horse was perfectly fine, but even just a little slow to eating its breakfast and they, you know, were, you know, kind of like took that moment to put the horse first and give him the day off, which I thought was really great. That's one of the things that we look for when we take on a new partner is to make sure that they have sufficient spare horses so that Mm -hmm. we can always, Uh, give a horse a day off and allow for not only resting time, but also schooling because horses become a little bit, how can we say, complacent when they're not schooled in between having lots of different riders. Right. And so we need to have, they need to be able to have a schedule of having guests ride the horse, have the horse have a rest and have it schooled. And then it's ready for guests to go again. That's so true. And they had mentioned that because I kind of asked like, what's the normal like schedule? And so Abdel was kind of running me through, you know, that they 
will go on, on trails, like maybe four or five days a week, only once a day, and then they get a day off and then they'll have, yeah, the kind of like some schooling days where they'll either go out, go like on a lunge or like a training ride. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, like that is, that's also like similar to, you know, uh, a lot of programs in, in, you know, the United States too. So that was like really cool to hear. Yeah, these horses are professionals, you know, they're trained mm -hmm. for their jobs. And it's just like, say, you'd have a, a, a working uh, cattle horse or something yeah. in the US. And these, these horses are trained to take people and they're used to the local conditions and the local terrain. So, you know, you might well be a little bit nervous about taking your own horse over something like that. But honestly, these horses make you look good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that about them. Yeah, I feel like I'm the bee's knees, but I really know it's the horses making me look good. <laughs> yeah. Um, for someone looking on unicorntrails.com, um, mm -hmm. a lot of your trips are, you know, kind of broken up, obviously, by location. But also, I know you have, like, trip length, um, riding time, riding ability, which I think is important yeah. to note. And then also group size. Um, I think mm -hmm. we ended up um, going to on our trip at like a really um, nice quiet time because we actually basically had private rides every day, which was which was really <laughs> cool. Um, but it yeah, also I awesome. yeah I've and I but I also talked to them when they've had. Um, you know, like bigger groups. I know the one that we went to was um, anywhere between like one and six um, people uh -huh. in a group. Um, but it was cool to hear from Abdel that like he's become friends with people that he's had on riding tours or like there'll be a group that like didn't no one knew each other but that now they like come back every year. Oh, and, that happens a yeah, lot. <laughs> it's so cool. I loved that. Um, yeah, that's a real social thing. Totally. And people go on that to meet because you're meeting other people who have the same interests as you and they're exactly. from all over the world. And it's just so cool to be able to exchange ideas and information and, and everybody's done different things and been to different places. So it's always, yeah, lots of fun. Definitely. I'm hoping to book another unicorn trails trip in the near Yay. future um and i really i really want to extend it to my equestrian community and because i know there's there's lots of people i i um host a uh, a biannual workshop to talk with other equestrian business owners and we've been talking about doing one outside of the united states but then having some you know horse related uh you know aspect to the trip as well um oh. if you were to plan a trip for me and let's say like <laughs> six other equestrian business owners um right. where would you where would you have us go next well um how much riding would you like to do are they all good riders because i've noticed not all equestrian business owners are necessarily yeah. riders that's a good point um i would say um this group doesn't necessarily ride uh, you know like on a consistent basis, but they have like a good foundation of riding. They've ridden for years, um, just not maybe recently not riding, you know, more than two, two times a week. And um, what time of year would you be thinking of going? Probably in the, the winter time in the U.S. So, so like either end of the year, beginning of next. Yeah. And do you have any restrictions on sort of how far you'd like to go? I mean, are you willing to fly, 
you know, sort of to to um, Europe or, or yeah. on a safari or let's say South America or something. Yeah, definitely. And and funny you say safari because I during my trip to Morocco, I got lots of um, questions and like inquiries about the trip and so many people want to go on safari and it's definitely on oh, even in my list so I feel like that's where I'd want to go it's amazing it really really is amazing because you've got that interaction between the horse and the wildlife yeah and it's like you're immersed in the whole uh you know part of the the nature there yeah. and um you know your horse will point out where the game is you just watch their ears and they wow. know what's happening and going on and it's just it's just you're, you're up high so you've got a good view much better than in a vehicle and you know the game relaxes if your horse puts his head down and grazes they think okay that's all right then there's no predator about you know wow. i can relax as well and you could just drift along grazing with some giraffe going from you know tree to tree or mm -hmm. in a herd of antelope it's it truly is amazing wow. um, but yeah if they're riders and um that is a good time to go on a safari in africa as well okay. so if they're not bothered by how long it takes to fly there then sure. that would definitely be a, a top recommendation yeah and there's some super places you'd want somewhere with nice accommodation and you want a few facilities to be able to do your presentations right and, and have you know your um, nice catering and so on but you also want to be able to ride and you know as much or as little as you want so yeah, yeah absolutely I mean um, definitely lots of safaris are available um, at that time, you know, South Africa, Botswana, Kenya, um, you name it. There's, yeah. there's, there's amazing places to go to. I could give you a, <laughs> a list of them, really. Yeah. We could narrow it down a little bit more depending on the group size and, yeah. and, and you know, specific requests. But, right. uh, yeah, right. there are, there'll be a choice of places on a safari at that time of year. Oh, that is so exciting. I cannot wait. Um, tell me what you would say is an area of the industry that you are passionate about, that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. Well, I would go back to um, that thing of the condition of the horses that are used in tourism. Right. Um, you know, that they, they, there's a huge range from what you've experienced where the horses are, you know, really well looked after and people recognize that they're bringing them a good income, you know, to earn US dollars is a big deal in a lot of these places. Totally. Um, and they realize that the horses need to be of a certain standard. And, and we work very hard with our partners to educate them as to what people's expectations are and, and best practice while respecting their local customs, which are often very good. There's not a problem with being different. It just needs to be safe and comfortable. Mm -hmm. So, um, and also I see a lot of people who are coming from places like, say, England and the US, who have unrealistic expectations about the weight of horses, mm -hmm. that, you know, overweight horses seem to have become a norm in the first world countries. And, you know, they say fat hides all, all faults in a show ring. Yeah. Well, um, you know, um, it, it certainly is a real detriment to performance. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's an in-between stage where the horse is um, not abused, it's not skin and bone, but it is in a lean, what we would almost call racing condition, which is where I like to see horses. And I, I think a lot of people need educating as to what weight a horse needs to be to really perform well, as opposed mm -hmm. to being a pet. Yeah, that is such a good point. And it's something that I think is like great, really great to kind of have that mindset to keep in mind going into a trip like this and that 
A hundred percent, especially with me being not only in the hunter jumper, you know, show jumping discipline, but specifically Mm -hmm. the hunter discipline tends to be very, very round horses. And that is, yeah. And that's not necessarily healthy or, you know, and definitely not normal. So, um, really being able to, you know, go into a situation like this with an open mindset of Mm. obviously keeping horses, health and wellness at the forefront, but that, that things might look different and that is okay. And that is great because that works for that culture and those customs and, and that part of the world. Yeah, there's too thin and there's too fat. And most people yeah. get the too thin side of the equation, but a lot of people don't get the other side. Right, right. Yeah, that's a really great point. I don't think anyone's ever talked about that on the podcast before in, in over 300 episodes. So good job. Oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> in England, there is ju- there are just so many cases of laminitis in horses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is caused by overweight horses just holding wow. themselves on grass in the springtime. and. Right. You know, it's 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 a real health problem. There are countless issues, health issues from overweight horses that you right. see as a veterinarian. You, you, I'm sure you can find other of your veterinarian guests who can, you know, let you know what the incidence is in the U.S. But I do know that in England it is quite high. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially this time of year in spring, you have mm-hmm. to watch the grass because it gets so rich. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Wendy, thank you so, so much for coming on. It has been, oh my gosh, such an incredible (laughs) month going to Morocco. Like it was completely unlike anything I've ever done before. And I cannot wait to do another unicorn trails trip again. Oh, fantastic. It was incredible. I'm hoping we can blow your mind away with a safari next. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to start, I'm going to start collecting. I I'm going to try to talk to my community and see where they want to go. But from everyone that's reached out so far, that is definitely um, the, the winner of, of all the contenders. So I am so excited too, but thank you for everything you're doing in the industry. I think this is such an important part of the industry to really celebrate our, our love for horses all around the world in you know, really healthy and enjoyable way. So uh, thank you for everything you're doing at Unicorn Trails and I wish you all the best. Oh, and thank you for this opportunity and thank you for a, a, a very interesting chat. Thank you. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.